Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And Casey, we get asked all the time, mm-hmm. is there anyone in the State House you people like? Yeah. And the answer is a resounding yes, and we found him. <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones digging for treasure. He is the, speaking of treasure, he's the state treasurer for the state of Indiana. Daniel Elliott, hello. Hey, guys. Great to be here. All right. So um, this is ironic because you're kind of debating a bill that relates to this right now. And we'll start with this. Have you ever flashed a weapon at a bunch of kids in the state house before? Well, considering I'm not allowed to carry in the state house, the answer is no. Ah, perfect. You answered it. You win the grand prize. So let's talk about this. Uh, obviously, Lucas, he's a buffoon and a moron, and that's not news to anybody. But he flashed that weapon at a bunch of kids yesterday. And my comment on this is... I'm not mad that he's allowed to carry a weapon. I'm mad that he made it so he's allowed to carry a weapon. Lawmakers are allowed to carry a weapon. I'm not. You're not allowed to carry a weapon. You're trying to fix that. What's going on? So, uh, uh, yes. Uh, so when I first got into the state house uh, last year, I found out something that I didn't even know. It, it surprised me. I've, I've carried for many years. It's just, you know, I'm from the country. I mean, yes, I'm from Martinsville. It, yeah. I'm a stereotype. And you say, that, okay you say that, that out loud. I say that out loud you very proudly from Martinsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, at, I've carried for many years. When I uh, came to the state house, I expected to be able to carry, and I was I was told, oh, policy doesn't allow you to carry. The governor set this policy. Uh, through, uh, And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm a separately constitutionally elected office holder. Yeah. I should be able to set my own policy, just like I can decide if we're allowed to wear jeans on Friday. Right. I should be able to decide what the what the carry policy is for me and my staff. When I spoke to members of the General Assembly, of course, they can carry. Their staff can carry. They get to make that decision. You make a good point. Not only can they carry because they write the laws, they allow their staff to be Absolutely. able to carry. So it's not just about us protecting ourselves. It's the people we like can carry. And you're on your own, Elliot. You got to fend for yourself. Well, what was what? Uh, what I will say that right off the bat, when I brought that up, most of the members of the General Assembly had no idea that my that myself and the other statewide office holders <laughs> they don't even were not. Know, they don't even know their own laws, mm-hmm. Casey. Well, and so uh, Senator Jim Toms, uh, right off the bat, was like. What do we need to do to get this taken care of? Well, let's fix this. Obviously, we had to wait till the next session because session had already started. So uh, uh, he authored a bill uh, that that addresses just that, that I'm able to carry as well as the other statewide office holders, and we set the policy for our own staff. So has Lucas totally ruined this for you? I mean, this is like the worst time possible for him to be Jim Lucas. Well, you know what? Here's what I think. I think when you look at this at, as that, at that base right if other members of um, other elected officials have a right to set their policy, it makes sense that us other state office holders can. If I want to be able to say, yes, me and my staff, we're going to carry, that's going to be my policy. But if uh, Diego Morales, as Secretary of State, says, no, I don't want that, you know, he also has the right to make that choice. I don't want him anywhere near a gun, so I hope he continues to not be carrying a gun. Yes, Casey, So go you're ahead. talking about Senate Bill 14, yes. and certain statewide elected officials can, some can't. If you are no longer the treasurer and your predecessor decides that they don't want their staff to carry, does this mean it's going to change year after year depending on who's in office? Well, it will change. It, it could change theoretically every four years, but yes, right. but that, because again, Again, think of it like a business. 
if I have a if I have a business, I have a right to be able to say, here's what I allow my employees to do. They can carry. But maybe another business owner says, hey, you know what, that's not something I'm comfortable with. And that is their right to be able to to make the the policy in their own business. Most people would not argue with that. Daniel Elliott is our guest. He's a state treasurer. Uh, great timing for him to be here. And you booked this interview a uh, long, long uh, yeah, before that, Jim Lucas flashed a yeah, weapon at a bunch of kids. I, uh, actually, you say great. I'm thinking I have the worst possible <laughs> timing. I you do. You know, it's like, oh no. And uh, it, you know, and this may surprise you, uh, uh, Dan, but we're we're covering this every hour on the hour um, <laughs> because anytime we have a chance to point out what a moron Jim Lucas is, we take full advantage of it. So here's my issue with it. It's not that Jim Lucas had a weapon. Uh, totally pro 2A. Two things. One, for a guy who's supposed to be Mr. Gun Enthusiast, the premise of concealed carry is to keep it concealed, and I don't think flashing it at kids is concealed. And two, Jim Lucas drove drunk, blew through a barricade, fled the scene, tried to mislead the cops. Uh, He's allowed to carry a weapon with a criminal record in there. I don't have any criminal record, and... I can't even carry a gun into the state house, much less flash it at a bunch of kids. So if we're going to be pro 2A, shouldn't all the law abiding citizens be allowed to carry weapons? And that's, you know, that's actually a conversation that has happened multiple times. Can other people carry? Um, You know, I'm going to say right off the bat, Jim's a friend and I don't know the details of the circumstances. So I'm not going to really, you know, make any judgment on that. But what I will say that your point is, well, shouldn't citizens be able to carry? And I will tell you. Kentucky mm-hmm. State House, you can carry. Utah State House, you can carry. New Hampshire, someone told me today, New Hampshire State House, you can carry. So this is not unprecedented. Um, so, what's the right way to do that? But you know, that's a good question. But I will say that if 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 a bill comes before the General Assembly and someone were to ask me my opinion, do you think that citizens who legally have a right to carry should be able to carry? At the uh, you know at the state house, I'm not going. I agree. I don't disagree with that. So this happened yesterday afternoon at the state house. I don't know if you were there. I don't know if you've checked in this morning. Uh, if you can report on what's you know what everybody is talking about in the state house. If this is a big thing over there, like it is to uh, a lot of our listeners. But I'm wondering, will there be any repercussions for his actions? That is. Again, when we talk about separately elected officials, that is, there's this thing called elections, mm-hmm. and I'm a firm believer that the election, <laughs> the is, voters will decide the if there are will decide. repercussions, and, I, I and that's you, fair. I love you, Elliot. You're like he's my friend, but if you want to vote him out, feel free. Go ahead, that'll be fine. Uh, that's why I like you. Well, uh, they can vote me out too. That's really the that is the, you mm-hmm. know that is we we keep forgetting this. The ultimate decider in these issues are the voters. Well, and I think that's to the point, though, is because it is the voters who are paying his salary to mm-hmm. be there, and yet he has a right that we don't. Mm-hmm. He's allowed to have a gun in the state house. We're not. All right, Daniel Elliott, State Treasurer, is our guest. I hope your bill continues to go forward and you're not derailed because of Jim Lucas's total lack of self-control. Let's talk about something else. Leap District. Mm-hmm. Okay. You are, as a state treasurer, you are on the Indiana Finance Authority board, correct? Mm-hmm. I am. How many people are on the board? How do you get on the board for the Indiana Finance Authority? I feel like I'd be great at that, and no one's ever offered that to me. Most of the, except for myself, the other members of the board are appointed by the governor. Oh, so that's out. I'm pretty much way bye-bye to that one. I don't think I'm going to get that one. Actually, I will tell you, um, the individuals who are on that board yeah. are 
very there's a lot of things that other people would say are very boring yeah. that happen at the state house things like the indiana finance authority yeah i'm a nerd you guys know this i i admit it freely i love this kind of stuff helping build projects throughout the state of indiana and so most of these individuals are actually very 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 thoughtful very very much enjoy doing what they're doing uh when it comes to the the water issue and that is actually a very serious issue the uh the the folks who are working on that are i will i i, I know them well they are focused 100 percent on getting the information out of what is our what is our water situation in this part of the state that is their only thought they are not worried about politics what somebody's saying over here is this going to help the leap district going to hurt it they're not thinking about it that way they are literally thinking about okay we know we have questions about water in this part of the state. In fact, we have questions about water throughout the entire state. We need to generate the information to give to folks like the General Assembly and other elected officials so they can make decisions. What's the time frame on this? Because a lot of people think uh, the ball just always seems to fall in Holcomb's favor. It's amazing mm. how that always works out, that it's gonna we're going to go through the election, and then late this year, oh, magically the study's going to come out that's going to show everything's fine, and then right before lockdown McGee leaves office, then there's going to be some sort of executive decree, and the next governor's going to be stuck with that. Like, do we have a time frame? So we have a time frame on the when the report will be done. We'll be in the fall okay so when we look at that that doesn't really allow for you know the in reality for the governor to say here's what we're going to do um but what it does allow which i think is the better way it allows for here's the data now the general assembly our senators and representatives who have been elected can look at that and say okay now that we have the data what is our best solution? And I have ideas, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the ideas that they think are the best solutions. You've been there for a year. Uh -huh. Do you regret your decision? Oh, like, no, I mean, you've I probably taken job. years off your life being around these people on a consistent basis. Well, two things. A, <laughs> I love my job. Mm -hmm. And B, I really make a concerted effort to get out of the state house as yeah. often as possible. <laughs> Which is why he's here. Good move. <laughs> Trying to insulate himself. All right. Not uh, going to lie. You're absolutely right, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Well, we like you, and we know that is held against you on a regular basis, but... Uh, we won't tell anybody you were here no, today. No, nobody no, saw no, no, you. Nobody, thankfully, nobody listens. And right. I'm going to give credit to, to Dan. Uh, him and Merritt um, have lost many, many friends over being friends with me, and mm -hmm. they never have wavered. I, I do want to say one thing. Please. Just so you know this casey yeah absolutely rod is a republican in good standing that's right, oh, See? right. <laughs> he does say that doesn't yes, he, does. he? he i'm does. totally eligible to run uh -huh. for senate uh -huh. or 100 governor percent. oh my goodness and i'm gonna record that and you know we'll make that can we get that one more time so kevin can isolate that i'm dan can we just let's do this i'm dan elliott yeah. indiana state treasurer yes. rob kendall is absolutely a republican that? in good standing i will 100 do that all right, right ready now. go I'm Daniel Elliott, state treasurer of Indiana, and Rob Kendall is a Republican in good standing. Perfect. Yes, you're the best, Daniel Elliott. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us today. And you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're really doing this today, aren't you? He's really doing it. Look at him go. Yep, I'm committing to it. Mm-hmm.
It is 19 minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we got to get to the FBI director here in just a second. But before we do, what we're talking about is uh, yesterday or the day before, whatever, was the 55th anniversary of that rooftop performance by the Beatles rooftop concert. Mm -hmm. And you were trying to defend just. 90% 90% of that stuff that's total garbage. And I said, just jokingly, I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to have Kevin play the White Album mm-hmm. on a as all the bumper music, and I challenge you to defend about 90% of the White Album. Sure. And he, George Harrison, while my guitar I mean, that's fine. That, that one's fine. But, Beautiful song. But Glass Onion and Number 9. Now go. <laughs> defend that. Well, I played Number 9 yesterday, and that was a success. And then uh, Glass Onion was yeah. the first bumper of today. So, anyway... That's what we're talking about, and good, good on you to call my bluff, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Really well I'm done. I'm holding you accountable. Yeah, very good. So uh, we've got a phone call from Tom that we're going to get to later, and he defends the Beatles, uh, grew up with them sure. in that era, and I think he says very succinctly why the Beatles are so It's an revered. emotional play. The people who are of a certain age, I get it, the, the you and the boomers, and, you know, I get it. <laughs> no, it's- wait a minute, wait a minute. Yesterday, you tried to say that I grew up in the 50s with the Ricky Nelson music, <laughs> and now I grew up in the 60s with the Beatles and the Boomers. Um, am I going to get a decade younger tomorrow? Are you finally going to get to the Gen X where be I actually belong? You'll be a Z by Monday. Perfect. Uh, I like it. I, I'm I'm getting younger every single day. Anyway, I just you know me when people man up and call people's bluffs and you know play tough guy and follow through. I like that, and I give. Kevin credit, I loathe. I mean, it's like someone is just sticking a, 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 a ice pick through my ears. Mm-hmm. But I give Kev credit. He he bowed up and he said, "I'll see your I'll see your offer." Well, I took a page out of your playbook. I'm holding you accountable, yeah. like you hold politicians. Yeah, there you go. No, Very no, no, nice, no, Kevin. no complaints, Kevin. Yeah. No complaints. So let's talk about what the FBI director Christopher Ray said yesterday. He was warning Congress about a range of threats oh. against the United States, mm-hmm. and they went from Chinese hackers preparing to wreak havoc and cause real harm, uh, all the way to heightened terrorist risks after the October 7th attack on Israel. Here he is. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. So isn't this a warning that we hear about every three weeks? And why don't we do anything about it? I mean, we are, yes, you're right. We hear it all the time. China's bad. No kidding, you don't say. Mm Mm-hmm. Boy, I really needed the FBI director to tell me that, Casey. But yet, we have one public policy after another that encourages our citizens and our businesses and our governments, most importantly, to engage in interaction, commerce, whatever, with the Chinese. So, on one end, oh, they're going to take it all down, the power grid and everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody better wake up. But then... 
oh, let's have these trade agreements and let's allow them to buy land in our in our country and let's have these sister city agreements. And let's have all of our politicians go over there and get wined and exactly. dined by them. None of this makes any sense. Pick a lane. I, I tend to agree with him mm-hmm. on what the lane should be and what they're doing, but you can't have it both ways. But the reality is why we are going to have it both ways is that we are addicted in this country to money and cheap stuff. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, very telling that he said not only are they going to focus on political and military targets, but also civilian infrastructure. And did you see this story kind of ties into it? Costco has come out with their emergency food kits and these food kits are used by preppers to get ready for whatever yeah apocalypse but it has a lot of people very nervous about what's going on in the world and these food kits they they range in price from $30 to $100 but they contain about 132 different servings of various foods and now they're available at Costco. And I often wonder, is this just somebody who's playing on people's fears? Yes. We, we slap a label on this. Yes. And it gets people worried. It's called commerce, Casey. Yeah. Well. It's called, it's, it's called capitalism. <laughs> but uh, we can have another conversation about Costco because I knew this was going to happen when I got the Costco membership. Now we got to go to Costco for everything. Mm-hmm. And I have repeatedly tried to tell my wife, we don't need that much of that thing. We can get it here. Yeah, but it's so much cheaper at Costco. Not if we're not going to use it all for nine years, it's not. So <laughs> I knew I knew this was going to happen. So we, we are now at that, that point in the relationship with, with the Costco. Uh, but China China's especially dangerous because if you look at uh, Iran, Iran would love to see us in a mushroom cloud. Like they are religious radicals. I mean, they're fundamentalists. They they would have no problem killing every single American. China does not want a military engagement with America because they're people at the top of the food chain. They don't want people anybody else to have it, but they like stuff. That's why I've always thought Kim Jong-un is never going to fire a nuclear warhead at somebody because he likes to live. Saddam Hussein was never going to fire a nuclear warhead at America because he wanted to live. He wanted to be in his palace. The, the Iranians, on the other hand, are run by complete crazy people and would probably actually do that. But with China, they while they want to live and they're not going to fire a nuclear weapon at us and they probably don't want to engage in an actual military you know, entanglement with the United States, they would have no problem dramatically disrupting the United States as much as possible, especially if they thought they could get away with it or make it hard to prove or create long-term unsustainability in various parts of American society. They would certainly do all of those things. And in many ways, that might be even more dangerous. Costco came out and said that they've been selling those food prepper kits since 2017. So it has nothing to do with current events. Isn't of everything at Costco a food prepper kit? Here is one thing. <laughs> Just I, large scale. Here is one thing I will say about Costco, yeah. that if you buy the right stuff, and this is the conversation the wife and I have had to have, not mm-hmm. everything is a Costco purchase. But I will give you a real-world example. Please. So um, I bought a bag of dog food at the 1st of December, Mm -hmm. and it was like $62 or something like that. So it was normally a bag of dog food is like 36 bucks. That bag of dog food usually lasts me three and a half weeks. This bag of dog food 
has now lasted me mm-hmm. two months. Now, mm-hmm. it was double the price, but it has lasted me three or four times as long. So on things like that that you can roll through in a couple months, yeah. absolutely you're saving and money. Bruce is so grateful. The problem is when you buy 93 crescent rolls and you have to use them in five days. I've had <laughs> or to they'll know, go bad. We've had to have this chat at my house, honey. Mm-hmm. We have to be judicious in the things that we buy in mass. So I think we got the, the memo after a long conversation this past weekend. We've got your voicemails coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. number is 317-684-8444 as we hear from you and your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC it is 1031 and yesterday Rob you posed a question about the assassination of President Lincoln oh yeah yeah so that super 70s sports account which I love had posted you know he was being humorous but he raised an interesting question he did it in the way that he always does but you know what do you think we always talk about, you know, the people that were impacted by Lincoln's assassination, obviously Lincoln, his family, the government, et cetera. But what was it like to be a regular person mm-hmm. who was at Ford's Theater and witnessed John Wilkes Booth, who there's a decent chance you actually knew who he was, assassinate the president? What was their conversations when they went home that evening like or in the day after or whatever? And I thought I've never pondered that before, but that is such a great question. Yeah, whatever they were saying, I'm sure they weren't using contemporary language, how we would talk today. So that on its own would be interesting. But somebody wanted to call and have a comment about that. Hey, Casey and Rob, I was just calling about your earlier discussion about the assassination of Lincoln and some of the questions you had. I would highly recommend uh, getting the book Killing Lincoln by Bill O'Reilly. It's really fascinating. It tells you a lot of the things you guys were talking about, gives you some answers to some of those questions. I know you're not much of a reader, Rob, but maybe Casey can read the book to you. (laughs) And also, just to set the record straight, he did not fall from the balcony. He actually jumped, leaped from the balcony because he wanted to be seen, and he said sick Semper Tyrannus when he landed on the stage, which is ever thus to tyrants. That's according to what he said. Um, there's no verification, I don't think, from anyone that that's exactly what he said, but he said he said that. Anyway, like I said, get the book, read it, and uh, maybe you can translate it for him, Casey, or read it to him, since I know Rob's not much of a reader. Anyway, enjoy your day. I, Casey, this is why I love our audience, because I'm sitting here as he's starting to form his thought, and I uh-huh. said, now I'm going to have to have you tell you to read this thing right. and he was the, the, our audience knows this so well he's like hey rob's not gonna read it so maybe casey will i'll have to go in the studio and record it so it'll be like a book on tape for you <laughs> and then when you're sitting around at night with the baby you guys oh, can that play that great i would love that wouldn't you love that because you don't get enough of me during the I day love that. you need me at home uh at night too um okay so you had mentioned about the little league or actually it's not a little league it's the baseball uh facility that's being built in brown so yeah, so the news came out the other day that the little league and the and the softball out there in Brownsburg have formed together and they're going to build this mega complex. Mm-hmm. Now they've, it's my understanding, they are purchasing the land. They have not raised the money to actually build the fields yet. 
But I took a victory lap because three years ago, our longtime listeners will remember uh, that they were going to try to get the taxpayers to build this, and it was going to be $21 million, and there was no ROI, there was no guaranteed sponsorships, there was no, what if we don't pay? I mean, it was just a, they were trying to strong arm because they do the thing, if you don't do what we want, you hate kids, and you want Junior to suffer, and Sally not to be able to play softball, and thankfully, in large part to our audience, they were part of the letter writing campaign they got that thing dethroned and now they've come out and we said if you if you the town make this thing fail they'll have to do it on their own and they will and they did and i laid out some parameters i said i was willing to help the little league in softball you know raise some money for this who better in brownsburg to do that than me but i'm gonna need a pretty sincere public apology Mm -hmm. for how i was treated Mm -hmm. uh and uh, you were right and then i think i'm all i'm all on board on helping yeah no i think they should just name the bathroom facilities after you and call it even but uh somebody wanted to call and say something about that. Hi, Rob, Casey, and Kevin. I thought I would call and tell Rob how nice that was of you. Um, I, I know a lot of common sense is gone these days, but you are really a good guy for promoting that field already without the public apology. <laughs> I just hope people see that mm-hmm. with all the airtime you gave them today, Wednesday. And good for you. You really are a good person. I really hope that they can see that. Um, so, like I said, who knows? There's not much comments left in this world today, but you guys are great. I love you. I don't miss show, and keep up good work. That was so nice of her. Mm-hmm. She she was doing some active listening because yeah. while it seemed like you were giving them a hard time, right. you were really promoting the fact that it's being built. I was, and I want them to mm-hmm. succeed. And this is the thing, Casey, but I, and I think we agreed. It's not that we disagreed that I say I'm owed this apology. It's the vicious way in which mm-hmm. I was treated and that is just unacceptable because, you know, we teach our children, which is what Little League and softball is about, that when you're wrong, you apologize and you take corrective action. And I think it would be a great way for the Little League and softball to lead for the children. And I'm now a parent myself, of course, to lead by showing here's what we do. This nice man mm-hmm. cares so deeply about the community and you know, he's now saved over $200 million for the townspeople in the 15 years he's been involved. And he was right and we were wrong and we apologize. And now we'd like to work together. And you thought that was a pretty reasonable approach for mm-hmm. me. I think yeah. being owed an apology is not, uh, you know, bombastic <laughs> or over the top because I, I am. I am. Um, I, and I, I'm so glad that that lady just caught on about. And this is what I struggle with, Casey, is and it's it's a real burden that I have to carry around with me each day that I have the ability to do so much good, where do I concentrate my energy? And, you know, people all the time are saying you should run for this public office Mm -hmm. or that public office again. And it's just, it really weighs on me on a daily basis because anything I get into, I make it better. Anything that I'm a part of, very often succeeds Mm -hmm. and that's you're a a winner well that's a real i mean that really just weighs on you to have Mm -hmm. that on on you all Mm -hmm. the time um would you like to brag and mention how much money you have saved the taxpayers of brownsburg yeah 200 million 200 Uh, million somebody did and this was not me somebody did an outside estimation between the referendum and the various uh, aquatic center and uh, rec center and this thing and that thing and of course all the taxes i cut when i was there and somebody did an outside estimate, and they said in sincerity, $200 million. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? 
Uh, uh, one. You're right. And you're him. How do I not have a Sagamore the Wabash? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I know because Hulk, Eric Holcomb is the one who passes. Those you know, the, out. the next governor, whoever it is, really should make that a mm-hmm. just a focal point of the campaign. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a phone call about Donald Trump and somebody asking a question about that. Hey, uh, what's your guys' show? I'm sorry to beat a dead horse here, but I wanted to get uh, Kate's opinion on it. Um, after the New Hampshire and listening to Trump in his speech, um, I just winced again because of the ego. And I've said it multiple times that if it's, if he's going to lose, it's going to be his own choice because he just it's his ego. He's his own worst enemy. But um, as a female and a conservative, do you feel that if he does have remarks against her, um, I know he talked, I think, a little bit about stress and things like this, but mm-hmm. is this something where with females that may be conservative kind of look at him in a different light uh, with him? coming after a woman or, you know, going after a personal image. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay. This so, is all you. So he's talking about what it, Donald Trump said something about Nikki Haley's dress or something, a very fancy dress oh, yeah. in his Trump way that he does. I mean, Nikki Haley got into it. She knew what was coming. She knew she was going to take on Donald Trump. When she entered the race, she knew he was going to be there too. Yeah. So she has to have some thick skin going into that. As far as the personal image attacks, that's something women have been enduring for years. If you're going to be in any sort of professional or business environment, that's just part of the game. And you just have to ignore those indiscretions. And I think when it comes to Donald Trump, first and foremost, I would have preferred to have seen Ron DeSantis be in the position, but it looks like it's going to be Donald Trump. So what are we dealing with now? Well, Donald Trump uh, has, you know, this, um, he, he can run on the fact that there were no wars while he was president. And as women, I believe one of the most important issues that women consider near and dear to them is their safety and security. If you talk to a woman, a woman, most everything is going to fall back to, am I safe? Am I secure? And the fact that Donald Trump can brag on the fact that there were no wars when he was president is very good. There's also the talking points of housewife economics. Can my family survive? Will I be safe? Will I be protected? And we all know that inflation, gas prices, rent, everything, groceries was much lower under his tenure. And the American family is being threatened. And Donald Trump is a fighter for motherhood. He's pro-life. He's pro-family. I feel that having my daughter is one of my greatest accomplishments of my life. And you only have to look at the success of Ivanka Trump to see how he is pro-mothers and she is a successful mother. She is a successful business person uh, to see where he stands with women. He calls it like he sees it. I admire that disruptive style of his. It's it's a masculine ability to rankle those who don't agree with him. And that comes back to making a woman feel safe 
and yeah, protect it. Yeah, yeah, but let's be honest. You you're... have to take the good with the bad with him. You know you're going to have the ego. You know that's how he delivers things, but that is part of the masculine energy that he brings. Yeah, and it's sweet you're putting up this front. You did a nice speech there, and I think you laid out a lot of good points. But, look, Casey, part of why Irish is popular is we're honest with our audience. And so let's be honest. You like him because he's rich. You like rich guys. You're really into rich dudes. He's got a big I mean, wallet. come on. Let's just right? let's not deceive people here. That's that's part of the equation. No, right? I think part of it also is, though, where he stands on immigration and the border. That's a lot of people. He says he wants to close the border. He wants to invoke mass uh, deportation. Those go back to the safety concerns. And we've seen uh, just yesterday the illegals behaving heinously in the fentanyl crossing the border. Those are real concerns of women. And I honestly don't feel like Nikki Haley is the woman that I want representing women as the first female president. All right. Boom. All Roasted. Right. All right. Do we have time for one more? You're in yeah, charge. we've got time yeah. for a couple more. We want to get to these. Um, the Beatles conversation. Oh, no. Yes. And no. here's somebody saying that uh, what they do with their musical choices. Hi, Rob. Hi, Casey. This old side, Tom. And when I say old, I'm turning 72 next Tuesday, so go figure. Weighing in on the Beatles-type situation, the White Album, and what the Beatles did back then, and why we revered them for that period of six or seven years after 1964. Very simply, they were the Taylor Swift of our era. They came along after Kennedy's assassination and a very rough year in 1963 that the youth at that time 63, obviously, it would have been 11, went through, and they were a breath of fresh air along with the rest of the British invasion. The Beatles held our attention when they released the hit. No matter how stupid the words might have been to the hit, it caught our attention and we ran with it. Many other groups back there, American and English, were both doing stupid lyric songs. And newsflash, Taylor Swift's songs are not necessarily the most profound utterances in the world that I've ever heard, nor are any of the other current artists. So we had something to follow back then. Times were simpler. We didn't have the Internet to distract us. We didn't have all these outside distractions, including American uh, artificial intelligence and all that. So we held on to what we held on to. Mm-hmm. Women, sports, fast cars, and Beatles. This was our generation. Uh, okay, and I love Tom. Southside Tom is great. Tom has been a longtime listener, and I've uh, met Tom in person before. He's a phenomenal guy. Mm-hmm. That speech, though, was just short of the Lincoln, he belongs to the ages now. Uh, <laughs> is, I mean, okay. He's defending his band. Here's, here's, do we have another Beatles call, or is that is that it? Yeah, we can move on from it. Okay. Uh, let me just say this, because I said this to Casey when we got done with the segment yesterday. Like, Casey knows when I do the Beatles thing, there's going to be just rage response from people. Mm-hmm. And so I could see the look of concern on her face. She turns a very ashy color, and her <laughs> eyes get big. And I just looked at her, and I said, Casey, sometimes I'm here. <laughs> And I just want to be a heel for a few minutes and just see how mad I can make people a few minutes. in a short amount of time. <laughs> and I once again was successful. <laughs> Congratulations. All right, one last phone call, and this is from our lovely Gert. Hey, it's Gert. I've heard twice now this morning, Tuesday, about Biden going to East Palestine, Ohio, a little bit after the year of the 
uh, train derailment. Mm -hmm. And what the hell is on that crazy man's mind? (laughs) Why does he think he'll be welcome now? I hope people show up and boo him. I don't understand anything that crazy old man does. Gert, we've got the answer for you. It's an election year, and he wants votes from Ohio. Gert, this little relationship we've had in the virtual sphere has gone on long enough, (laughs) and it's time for us to get the whole Gert story. I mean, Gert has been calling Mm -hmm. since the the you know many many years now and she has given us vague things about her life like was she a bond girl i don't know but it's time gert because i know you're listening and we love you for you to tell us the whole the whole gert story mm-hmm. we want to know who you actually are because you're one of our favorite people, and it just pains me every day I wake up knowing I don't really know that much about Gert. Well, we know a lot about Hammer, and he's going to join us next on Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ten minutes in front of 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and Hammer is in the studio. Thank Good you. morning. That look says it all. <laughs> Who the hell is this? Yeah, exactly. That's the, the Beatles. Beatles. Beatles White Album. This sucks. So, so Kev <laughs> was going through the White Album during the break, and am I wrong, Kevin? You were pulling up music to try to find bumper music, and you're like, this is so bad I can't even play this stuff. It's unplayable for public radio. Yeah, there were a few songs that I had actually never heard before, and it's it's pretty quirky. Yeah, this is awful. Thank you. Just because a band or an artist is good doesn't mean everything is good that they've done. Thank you. That's a valid point. Michael Jackson, Prince, you name the band, they've all had turds. Right. They got some stinkers, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, last night, you and I were texting back and forth. There was one of, I mean, I'm not going to say it's an all-time great ejection, but there was a heck, that Northwestern coach in the Purdue game, he got his (laughs) money's worth. Chris Collins, uh, the coach of Northwestern, this was a great game between Northwestern and Purdue. Northwestern always plays Purdue well. They beat them early in the year. Northwestern has really good guards, and that gives Purdue a problem. Purdue is going to get beat early in the NCAA tournament again because anytime they play a team with guards, they have all sorts of problems, and you're going to run into some mid-major or something. And I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be beating the first round, but the, the, I'm sorry, Purdue people. You guys have major problems anytime the other team has decent guards. So Northwestern, Purdue go to overtime. Purdue ends up getting the win. Well, at the end of the game, uh, Northwestern's coach just flips out. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a coach get ejected, like, after the game because the clock kind of wind down and then they put, like, 0.2 seconds back on or some crap. But he was upset about the way the game was officiated. And the free throw discrepancy, I believe, was, like, 46 to 8. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was like, Kunzo Martin out there roughing the game last night. Well, and one of the train people in the back, Todd Meyer, oh, that's, that's the proper way to officiate a game because <laughs> Purdue plays so physical. Like, total Purdue butt sniffer, Todd Meyer over there. Um, so, And he's really into it, too. Right, right. He gets really defensive. If you say anything bad about the train people. <laughs> 
And I get it. Purdue's a physical team. They got a seven foot four All American who's a badass, and they're a physical team. But that's a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. It's not like Northwestern's guards don't drive to the basket once in a while. Yeah, when you took off that ref's mask, it was Gene Cady under there. <laughs> <laughs> the game. Old come over Cady. So he got he got us talking about. He has this you know incredible ejection at the end of the game and it got us talking about the all-time great ejections in sports history right because mm-hmm. Collins not only did he get in the face of the official walk on the middle of the court like he went over there and he shook hands with all the Purdue players did everything right but then he's firing up the Purdue students on his way out like heel wrestler you know like when Hogan joined the NWO that was that was Chris Collins last night but I think the gold standard of getting kicked out of a game mm-hmm is still Bob Knight throwing yeah. the chair. Yeah, you're probably Gotta right. Be. Now, if that's the number one seed, where do we rank some of the other ones at? Because the other one that came to my mind was yeah. when George Brett got kicked out pine for having too much pine, pine tar bat. And then the umpire comes over, stares at the dugout, holds up the hand and calls him <laughs> out. And George Brett, like a maniac, comes yeah. running out of there like he's ready to throw down. Like, that's got to be up there. Uh, my parents were actually living in Kansas City at the time. And, of course, that was Royals fever. That was the height of Quisenberry and Wilson and all those guys. And, like, everybody every day in Kansas City was all Royals all the time. And that was that – was, Definitely the most significant event to happen in in Kansas City in all of the 1980s was that <laughs> that game, and it's one of those ejections too, where it's been 40 years now, 41 years, and if if it's played on TV, you just stop and watch it because he hit a home run against the Yankees, who are their huge rival. The Yankees and Royals in the 80s were like you know Red right. Sox. The Royals and, were really good. Oh, they were great, and he hits that home run, and George Brett was having one of the all time great. So that, I think that's a season he almost hit. 400 he was or chasing or, yeah. yeah and may, maybe i'm off by a couple of years but it, and he was just larger than life and you're right that ump looked right at him and was just they might as well have been stone cold with the middle fingers <laughs> and he charged out there and he oh that was great uh fantasy ejection was nick nolte and blue chips because he punts the ball into the stands but then you pointed out that really happened in a pacer game one time yeah the pacers were getting jobbed in chicago back at the old chicago stadium um this was during the rise of jordan right so this was the chuck person led indiana pacers and you couldn't pass gas around jordan without getting called for a foul (laughs) well the pacers were getting jobbed and chuck person uh gets a little mouthy and they kick him out so he takes the ball he punts it into the crowd and he's walking out to the tunnel somebody throws it back on the court he runs back on the court grabs it and punts that thing up in the stands again uh one other one that we have to mention and this has become far more famous now that Twitter and things are where everything lives on the internet is that great Earl Weaver ejection where he is, he gets crow hop ejected by the umpire. And then my favorite part of that is though, he's of course screaming and it's F bombs. And Earl Weaver was the famous manager for the Orioles in the seventies. And the ump is just calmly just responding to him. And I was like, that would never happen today. And he was calmly responding, but he was dropping F bombs yes. back. Yes. <laughs> like, cause Earl Weaver tells the umpire in this, feverish rant you and your crew you're just here to bleep us yeah and the umpire crow hop ejection ah earl you're full of bleep now i need a ruling on this one do you guys consider this an ejection when evil knievel ejected from his rocket when he tried to jump the snake river canyon in 1974 different ejection (laughs) yes different ejection but 
Man, Earl uh, Weaver and Evil Knievel, those were some names. Mm-hmm. Back. You don't see a lot of Earls and Evils these days. Can we just go back to, to the crow hop ejection as though he was he was Roberto Clemente <laughs> firing a ball from, from the warning track to home plate? You're out of here. Do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and look up Earl Weaver ejection where the umpire delivers the crow hop and the back and forth between those guys. What's coming up this afternoon? You. Oh, yes. That's Rob right. Kendall yes, goes absolutely. off the rails. We got the biggest stories of the day. And sometime in the first hour of the show, concert tickets. Nice. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thanks, Hammer.